This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. And boys, let me tell you what. I, I was summoned from the ether. Last week, I was wearing my red my red ragey ring, and I felt a pulse go out. And I said, I haven't felt a disturbance like this in a long time. A long and then I listened to the podcast, and I realized it was about X-Men. And I'm like, oh, thank God I jumped off that book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was pretty terrible. Oh, it was, it was a bad terrible. week. Last week was a bad week. It really was. It was. But, you know, I got to tell you, <clears throat> this is a great week. Here it is, Thanksgiving week, and I've got all my boys here with me. Right? You guys all came home for the holiday. Well, we're, we give thanks to you, Aaron, for you, not to you. <laughs> and, not, and not a one of you brought your vegan girlfriend. So I'm so excited. <laughs> Bad weeks are my favorite weeks. <laughs> so I, I'm in a meeting this week. You know, uh, it's kind of a big, a big damn deal. And there's like 50 people in this conference room as we're all gathering <laughs> around the table. And, uh, you know, I'm all suited up and I've got all my all my handouts ready and this woman walks in and shouts at me across the room, Aaron, I'm in love with baby Yoda. And I'm like, what? Oh, uh, we she, tried not to spoil it for you. Aaron. And she we goes yeah. on and on and on about baby Yoda. Now I'm familiar with it because, you know, I'm on social media and I've seen all the pictures. So I appreciate yeah. you guys trying not to spoil it for me last week. But I mean, she is just, I mean, shouting at me at this tone, guys, across the <laughs> conference room about, baby yoda and people are looking at her looking at me and so i mean she goes on for no lie five minutes about how obsessed i am with baby yoda and i'm like i I don't have disney plus (laughs) which completely shut down the conversation but uh really that's how you should just start every conversation whether it's about baby yoda or not i I don't have disney plus (laughs) you know that should be on your placard with your name. Yeah. On my name tent, right? Aaron has no, waiting for I Disney Plus to come to Amazon Fire Stick. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, Aaron, I was thinking about you yesterday as I looked across social media and I saw all of the baby Yodas everywhere. And it's like, that is such a big moment in that show that there is no way that isn't spoiled for Aaron. Oh, yeah. Oh, we just spoiled it for anybody else, too. Yeah. Well, and and as bad as it is, or as, as sucky as it is to be Aaron, <laughs> Disney Plus isn't available overseas until March. Oh wow! So all those people are fucked. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Paul, are you caught up on the Mandalorian? No, I haven't seen the third episode yet. Uh, it's my favorite episode yet. Ah, all right, I'll watch it before the next podcast. And, speak- and I also. Uh, I marathoned uh, a bunch of episodes. There's three of them out right now of uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Is that good? It is incredible because it's Jeff Goldblum. I bet you it's a lot better if you're high. (laughs) I can Uh, see that. One of my favorite things on Disney Plus, not to make this a Disney Plus podcast, um, is the Imagineering. Yeah, like last week, is the Imagineering story. Um, it's It's a documentary series basically about. Walt Disney, the creation of Disney World or Disneyland, then Disney World. And um, it's surprisingly honest um, for something that's actually produced by Disney. So I, I'm, I'm, I enjoy it quite a bit. That's on my list to watch next. I'm really looking forward to it. It looks good. Yeah, they, they are. They're very open about the struggles of being you know, behind the scenes of the, the projects, as well as um, 
they show a lot of stuff that has never before been shown because you know those tunnels under disneyland the the behind the scenes stuff they usually don't show that stuff to not ruin the magic and they say this is the first time this is being seen you know in public kind of thing so good stuff also good stuff I keep thinking that there's no way that Watchmen's going to get better by per episode. And I got to tell you, Watchmen number five, uh, Watchmen episode number five uh-huh. on HBO blew my hair back. I oh, really? fucking loved that episode. I mean, I, I, I laughed out loud several times. Uh, there were moments where I was genuinely worried about uh, characters in the episode. There were moments where I was surprised. I mean, I just, I mean... Episode number five was fantastic. And that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Paul, have you seen it yet? I have not. I need to get caught up on that. I'll get caught it's, up on that this weekend as well. It's a big looking glass episode, uh, hmm. you know, or as uh, Gene Smart's character refers to him as a uh, mirror face guy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Baby Yoda's in Watchmen 5. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, uh, <laughs> you know, Snape kills Dumbledore. So. <laughs> Uh, no, I, but because this week I, I wanted to get caught up on Titans. I was a little bit behind on my Titans. Um, so I've been getting caught up on that. Um, this season's, you know, it's it's uneven. But then again, so was season one a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff in this season between Connor and Crypto and Rose Wilson and Deathstroke. And I, I will say, not because you guys haven't seen it yet, the Bruce Wayne in Titans season two is so woefully miscast it's kind of appall. It's like they had they tried to fuck up that casting because they got it so right with Dick Grayson and they got it so wrong with Bruce Wayne. It's ridiculously bad. Let's face it. The only casting I care about for season two is crypto. Yeah, well, crypto looks like crypto. Um, well, so that that season, the season two finale is uh, coming on November 29th. So that's why I'm getting caught up in time for that. Um, in addition, Harley Quinn uh, season one starts in it says one week from yesterday, so I'm guessing that kicks off next Friday the twenty. Also, now, I guess the is that 29th. the animated series? Yes. Okay. With um, uh, your face from Big Bang Theory. Correct. Yeah. Good old um, face. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco. <laughs> yeah, Kaylee Cuoco. <laughs> so you know, there's some stuff coming to DC. You know, universe. They also announced that Titan season three is coming. Um, they also announced that Stargirl, you know, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that Stargirl is coming to DC Universe. Um, it's starting in Q2 2020 on DC Universe. However, but that's not the first place you're going to see her. Actually, it is the first. Oh, that's true. Yep, because she is going to be on the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover that uh, on the CW. Yeah. Which is yeah. only in like two weeks now. I I need to get caught up on my CW shows for that. Well, and I'm super interested that they're going to release uh, at least a few episodes of Stargirl in a limited window on the CW. So if you are not a DC Universe subscriber, you're going to get to see the at least the first episode, kind of like what they did with Star Trek Discovery on CBS. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exciting. what I'm hearing. Stargirl will premiere on DC Universe in the second quarter, and new episodes will air on the CW one day after their streaming debut. I don't know if that's just for the first couple of episodes, because if it's the entire season, god damn yeah. the DC Universe. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if that if they are seriously just going to start doing, you know, one day early, that's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm at the point now of... They've been out long enough. They still don't have a PS4 app, even though saying they eventually will have one. Even if they have one now, I just don't 
I don't care anymore. No. I want to watch some of these shows, but I'm it's hoping to get some of them for Christmas. It's going to get kind bundled. Of, it's going to get bundled into HBO Max. Pick it up. It then. Is. Yeah. If they if it did, then I might be uh, tempted to do HBO Max thing because yeah. I don't have HBO, right. and I'd like to watch Watchmen. And Watchmen's yeah. so good. I really enjoy Westworld, and I'm buying them on DVD. So yeah, I mean, it'll pay for. Here's the thing: the HBO Max, it's pricey. It's pricier than it should be. Um, but you know, it just needs some, some good stuff to, to, to launch with. Um, you know, they're talking about the green lantern show. Obviously there's all the stuff that already comes with HBO. Um, well, and cartoon network and adult swim and and all the Turner, all the Turner channels. And I mean, they've got a fuck ton of content that they're launching with. Can we, can we get bundled into HBO max so that Paul can pay off his bar tab? Yes. (laughs) So one of the big news items that came out last weekend, I think, uh, maybe it was Sunday. I think it was Sunday. So last Sunday was the anniversary of the release of Justice League. You know, the the much maligned, you know, Joss Whedon rewritten, redirected movie. Um, and Justice I still uh, buckle up. Here we yep, go. As much as it pisses some people off, I still say that the only good things about that movie were Whedon's touches. Oh God, no! God, no! That was such um, a horrible movie, and he was the—he brought the only bits of light to that movie. Ugh. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> me and Aaron you know, popcorn—that was great. <laughs> yeah, there's this whole release the Snyder Cut thing that's been going on since then, and yep, those are really annoying, horrible people, just like Wayne. <laughs> so <laughs> the people behind the release the Snyder Cut, the official, like the the big. Um, uh, what's the like the big initiative, right? The ones that bought the billboards in Times Square and stuff like that during the big Comic Cons. All the proceeds um, that they get, all the donations that they get, um, all the money that they get goes towards suicide prevention and mental health awareness, as you know, to honor I, the I fact think, that Zack Snyder's daughter uh, killed herself. I didn't think I didn't I was not aware that there was a fundraising effort involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't either. Yeah. yeah. Well, damn it. Like they actually did something good, and basically the the release the Snyder Cut people have just been so annoying that I don't want their cut ever be released because <laughs> yeah. of them. No, but if they're the doing something point. like that and giving money out, yeah, it's I, it's, it's all been a raising initiative. I can't like, hate them as much. It's not like they're raising money to release the Snyder Cut because they have no control over that. So there's you know there's they're donating the money to to mental health awareness and suicide prevention. Yeah, don't I didn't know the they day- were gathering any money at all. Don't you miss the days yeah. when Wayne's hate was pure? Right. <laughs> I, 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 you know what's pure is my enjoyment in taking Wayne down after he said <laughs> people. I'm like. Well, hold on a second. No, I'm just kidding, Wayne. Yeah, like Aaron, <laughs> I, like Aaron, I had never heard anything about them collecting any money at all. Yeah. This is the first time I've heard about money collection for it. I just have seen the annoying people with that hashtag and them, uh, you know, basically going on and on about releasing it. And normally I would be like, okay, give the people what they want. Just do a do another release of it for them, but they're just so annoying that I don't want them to get what they want. Does it feel like I it's pointed directly to... at you, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. So this past weekend, you know, inspired by this whole, the thing that happened with Tom Holland, right? Like Tom Holland and, and Spider-Man and the Marvel deal. Oh, okay. Um, you know, on, on the whole, like the fans, the outcry was so big that Marvel and DC or Marvel and Sony figured it out. Right. Um, this past Sunday was the big push. Like, it was out there. Hey, today's the day 
with the anniversary. Zack Snyder has been in meetings with Warner Brothers. He's continuing to be in meetings. Uh, there's a potential for releasing the Snyder Cut on HBO Max mm. as a selling point for HBO Max uh, because he has been working on it and it is pretty much done um, in, in you know in his free time since the since what happened. So there, the Snyder Cut exists. It's out there. Um, you know, there's just a, a little bit left to do, and so there was a big push for it. Um, and all almost all the actors who were in the film, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot. Um, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, um, they all actually tweeted the release the Snyder Cut stuff. They really they showed a lot of unreleased photos from the Snyder Cut, uh, including images of Darkseid and and things like that that just had not been shown. Characters and whole sequences like uh, Iris West that was entirely cut from the film, stuff like that. So yeah, there there was a big push for it. As to whether it was successful in in launching the Snyder Cut, I think there was over a million. Um, you know, tweets, it was the number one trending thing on Twitter that day. So there definitely was a big push for it. And so we'll see if Snyder, I will say if the Snyder cut comes to HBO max, that would actually be a selling point for me. If he's working on it, it's going to happen. I mean, where it's going to be released is still up in the air, but if he's working on it, they're going to release it well, because money. Yeah, no. And, and to your point, I mean, it may be, it, may be initially uh, identified for HBO Max, but it'll eventually be a Blu-ray. Paul, yeah. and in the I, end, I need to stop trying to make Fetch happen. I know, right? Well, here's the thing. It's funny because, and, and I don't I don't want to be a Snyder apologist because it's not, I, I've rewatched Batman versus Superman. And even though I love the film, it does fall apart once Doomsday shows up for me. Um, but, you know, I, I think for lack of a better way of saying it, Justice League was already profitable when it was released. It didn't make as much money as they wanted it to. The reviews were bad, but it was profitable. And it was a horrible uh, movie. Yeah. So, you know, with a very little investment, this is just gravy on top. It's absolutely going to make money. So it's, it's. I, I think at this point, it, it would be foolish to not just, it would cost less than an episode of The Mandalorian to finish that movie. Yeah, it would be stupid of them not to do this. Yeah. I, I hate that the rabid Snyder fanboys are going to get what they want, but Paul. Yeah, 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 that's me. <laughs> but it would be stupid of them not to do this, even yeah. though Snyder fundamentally does not understand Superman or any of these characters and made really bad movies that completely destroyed the characters. Well, or that, but hey, at least we'll get the Snyder cut, hopefully, eventually, hopefully. So, and speaking of things that are long overdue. Oh, do- God. A doomsday clock finally completely the the final issue will be released on december 18th so uh i a little, a little caveat on doomsday clock for me uh i, I told the story uh about a month ago that i'd i'd left uh i'd left the uh the mainline comic store unattended and my pull box had gotten insane and i'm like this is going to be terrible and when i went in there and i saw there was two issues of doomsday clock after about a year i'm like oh well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think after the last issue comes out, I'll, I'll read it when it comes out so we can talk about it. But then I'm going to go back and reread them all because I think this is going to hopefully read better together after such long breaks between it. It's I find myself not even remembering what happened in the last issues until I sit down to read it. So let me let me ask you guys this. Would you rather have something where they have to change artists and put a little bit of hurry into it or would you rather them have to take monstrous amounts of time to get it right i think there's a middle ground but yeah I, 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 if you had to have one 
if you've got a passion There's... project like this, you know, I, I or, you know, a, a big, huge project, you know, like uh, like the original Watchmen. Um, I what I would or Dark Knight Returns. That, yeah, you know? I would prefer they bank the books and then release them on time. Um, the problem is, is that the comic book industry is built on this issue funds next issue, despite the fact that you've got these huge publishing companies backing them up. I don't, I do not understand why they don't bank their books. And I mean, keep in mind when Doomsday Clock first came out, they did a, a shotgun release of what the first three, four issues, um, where they were just came out really fast, which makes you feel like, did the did the series get canceled when it takes forever for the following issue to come out? Yeah, I, I mean, tend to be with Aaron here of bank the books if it's something big. If it's a series that's supposed to impact the whole universe, then yeah, switch artists, do whatever it takes to get the book out on time. The big thing is, if you're going to bank the books, don't hype it. My big yeah. example of that is I was so excited about Three Jokers. And I still I see the tweets come out from the artists and see the artwork, and I just don't know that I care anymore because it oh, was I the big care. hyped book that <laughs> never came out. It still come, and the reason is because they're banking the books. They want to make sure all three are finished before even the first yeah. one is is solicited. Which they shouldn't you know. have set it up and hyped it so far back. Yeah, because they've disagree. lost their hype. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I think, think it's. I think it's important to note that it's a a twelve issue maxi series that has taken two years to complete. Yeah, which this, this series started in twenty seventeen. And I got to tell you, if they had just started with it being a bi monthly book, uh-huh. it would have come out on time the entire time. Or you know, yeah, you're right. Or you know, create a we're gonna there, there's two parts to this. There's the first six issues. There's the last six issues. Release yeah. those first six issues and then take a break and then come or, back. Ask for professionalism in your creative team, because I know if I had work that was this late, I would be getting yelled at by my bosses. But in the comic industry, this is just acceptable that you can get your work in late. Well, and if I you're say, taking it's on too much to work, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I don't disagree, and I, I'm very. I will say I'm surprised, and I think it's just because of the level of complexity of what's going into the book. Because Gary Frank did monthly Incredible Hulk. He did monthly action comics. Like, there weren't any delays with his work on those books. So why Doomsday Clock? And it could just be, you know, the, the fact that they're stuck to this nine-panel structure and yeah. all the characters. And, and and who knows? I'm blaming Gary Frank. For all I know, Jeff Johns is just taking forever to write it because he's working on TV projects. I don't yeah. know. But, you know, regardless, it, it is frustrating. But I am happy that it's going to end. I'm happy that we're finally going to see the end. And I got to say, like, I think... To Wayne's point, reading it in in mass will definitely help um, my enjoyment of the book. Yeah, I'm blaming, I think I'm, the, I'm blaming Anne Frank because I, you know how hard it is to draw when you're in a cellar. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to the to that one ending, and you know they also announced uh, I think last week that Scott Snyder would be ending his run on Justice League this January, which. I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm I'm kind of surprised, but I guess I didn't know I I didn't know it was coming. But you know, in retrospect, this storyline that we're in right now certainly feels like the big wrap up of everything he's been doing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so you know, we're going to talk. It's funny because we're going to talk about nothing but event books this week. Like Marvel released three. Well, technically, we're going to talk about four Marvel books. They're all 
technically crossover books. And kind of the same thing with DC. We're going to talk about two books that are technically crossover books, and they're all basically event books. Um, so Aaron and I read Justice League 36 by Scott Snyder and Francis Manipal and Howard Porter. And we haven't talked about this in a while because I was five issues behind. And it's a biweekly book, which makes it – this yeah, shit those, gets out on time. Yeah, this these biweekly books really stack up on you. Yeah. Um, but – and especially because – and we've talked about this before – Scott Snyder can be a little wordy, so it's not like you can just like plow through an issue of Justice League in five minutes, right? Like, you know, he he is very prone to exposition and and dialogue, um, to the detriment of the book sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there there have been issues in this run of Justice League where I'm like, shut up already. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I, there are times where I'm just like, you know, just let the artist tell the story. I agree. And I will say, you know, there's been a little bit that he's been better about it because there's been so much action over this storyline. So the storyline that's going on right now, the big culmination to Scott Snyder's work on Justice League is the Justice Doom War. And I don't know that we talked about a single issue of the Justice Doom War. Um, maybe we have, but certainly not in five issues. And we're on part seven. Yeah, certainly not since the big Lex Luthor turn. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Perpetua, who is the mother of the monitors has been released by Lex Luthor um, and doom has taken over for justice in the universe. And this is a big, one of the things that I want to say about this book specifically is that this is a huge event book crossing the multiverse, crossing books, crossing characters, but it's all basically just done within the pages of the justice league monthly book. Right. Um, but you, you see characters across the multiverse, including the Justice Society, the Justice League Beyond, um, Earth 3 Justice League. I mean, just really everyone everyone and their mother is in this book. Uh, the, the, the DC 1 million characters, the Justice League Dark, Justice League Odyssey. Um, so, Aaron, I'm, I'm very curious. Now that it's been a few issues, the last time we talked about this book, we were – we were riding high on it. We we actually yeah. quite enjoyed the epic nature of the book. How are you feeling about it still? Um, overall, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I, I will say that Scott Snyder is, is sort of his own worst enemy uh, in that he lets his dialogue and desire to narrate uh, overwhelm him uh, versus trusting his artist. I feel like he's better at that in the Batman books. I feel like he's got a better relationship with Greg Capullo yeah. uh, than he does with his artist here, because I feel like, you know, number one, Greg Capullo is just a physical monster and, you know, he just sort of overwhelms Scott Snyder, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, he, I feel like Scott Snyder really dominates his artist here. And, you know, I, maybe the artist isn't pushing back going, Hey, 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 let me just draw this. Right. Um, yeah. And I feel like it, I feel like there's some editing that needs to happen. But beyond that, I think it's a beautifully drawn book. Yeah. Um, and I'm enjoying the story. However, there is one element to the story that I really struggle with. Oh, and don't tell. I'm, I hope you're not going to say what I think you're going to say. <laughs> uh, the, there's one element in the story that that I, I I'm really I'm really having, having a hard time with, and it's Lex Luthor. Um, oh, okay. It, yeah. It is. You know, Lex Luthor has. Uh, has put himself in servitude to an alien, uh, you know, otherworldly entity. And that's just not Lex Luthor. And he did this willingly. He was seduced into it. And, you know, Lex Luthor has always been, at least in the last 
30 years has always been me first, earth first, humans first, you know, fuck all you other worldly extra dimensional aliens. Um, you know, I, I'm the guy and he, he is just so not Lex Luthor. And I understand that, you know, there, there, this is a reinterpretation of Lex Luthor, but I, I really struggle with that. See, for me, and I don't disagree, but I feel like it's a bit of I the the way I got it, and maybe I got it wrong, um, is that you know Lex, you know, was all in on this plan with his selfish motivations, but when he was reborn as Apex Lex, and you know un, he was basically he's basically being brainwashed by Perpetua. Well, no, no, I, I get that. I, 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 I get that he's been recooked, right? Yeah, but it was the choice prior to that. Yeah, the choice the to choice sacrifice that, himself in the first place to and be, give to, away all of his assets to fuel the the villainy, yada yada. That's not who he is. You yeah. know, he he Luther's not a chaos agent. He's not the Joker. He is about order, his order, and that's that that is my. I think that this whole story uh, falls apart on that link. And that's yeah. my, my concern about it. And I'm hoping that it's explained to me later on because, you know, I'm really, I'm really struggling with this because it seems more like a 1970s era Lex Luthor versus the Lex Luthor that we've known since Man of Steel in the 80s. Well, th- I feel like this is a very 1970s esque, um, homage. Yeah. Right. You know, but between the the Legion of Doom and and the Justice League, you know, that I think they're very much trying to tap into that Super Friends nostalgia, right? Or that or that superpowers nostalgia. Yep. Well, more Super Friends, but I feel, and I'm hoping because I I don't disagree with you, and we we had the same issues with Brainiac, but I think Brainiac essentially turned it around and. You know, but like we talked about how Bra- this isn't Brainiac, and then we see no, it's not Brainiac, and he got fucked. Um, What's well, Brainiac? And, one million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I feel like maybe we're we're setting up for a Lex betrayal at some point. Oh, I feel like that's exactly what it is. Is that Lex is Lex is going to turn on Perpetua, right? Yeah. But um, I, it just none of this seems like Lex to me. I don't disagree. You know, it, it's. It could be any character, and I think that's uh-huh. part of my issue with it. Uh-huh. You know, when it started, it was very much Lex, but now, like, this could literally be any villain. It, it, this could be Bane. Well, I care about you know, it's nothing about his right. smarts. He's basically just a minion. He's he's right. you know, he's the number one guy for Perpetua. But isn't that kind of true of with maybe the exception of Brainiac? Isn't that kind of true of all the Legion of Doom because? Uh, Sinestro does not sound like Sinestro. Grodd no. does not sound like Grodd. In fact, the way those guys are all working together and kind of chummy and then pleading for Lex for him to save them. I mean, I was like, okay, well, that's not Sinestro. Yeah. Sinestro wow. wouldn't die like a bitch. Yeah, that that description just flies in the face of those characters. I mean, the idea that they even get along. I've always liked the Legion being basic. Are the uh, yeah the Legion of Doom basically a whole batch of people that are looking for ways to take over the role that Luther has you know leading them yeah and I you know I think it's interesting how this story has changed from issue one mm-hmm. um well, you know because issue one it, it 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 took a little while to ramp up you know there was there was some voice concerns but ultimately Lex acted like Lex and these characters the Legion of Doom it made sense there was you know uh this this trepidatious team up at first and now like you said it's basically 
the characters are kind of interchangeable and, and a bit out of their character. And I think part of it is that at some point, this story has just changed into this, like, and it's it's a bad comparison because I know I say I like this book and I'm about to compare it to two books that I don't like. <laughs> but it's literally, if you took Countdown and DC's Metal and smashed them together, yeah. you have this storyline. Because uh-huh. it's all the multiverses teaming up, but you also have a lot of stuff going on from DC's Metal um, as well as kind of like that heavy metal aspect, uh, because I, I thought one of the issues you were going to have, and because I thought actually thought it was kind of awesome, even as dumb as it is, is that both the Legion of Do- oh, both the um, is it the Fortress of Doom, the 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 headquarters? Uh, uh, oh, they're yes, I know what you're talking about. It's it's I don't think it's the Fortress of Doom though. Is it the Hall of Doom? I know it's the Hall of Justice. Maybe it's the Hall of Doom. Basically, yeah. both the Hall of Doom and the Hall of Justice convert to spaceships and so we're gonna have like a space battle no, I, I actually i like that i thought that was but, awesome but let me tell as you what dumb I, as it sounds i thought the most awesome page in the book was when perpetua transforms brainiac into her mobius chair yeah i mean was i was like okay that's fucking awesome i mean I, you know because brainiac's like yes i want to be the historian of the galaxy and she goes oh i got a better th- solution for you and you know the i the, the, they the the legion of doom has been following perpetua because she is going to reward their service and so they're all kind of thinking you know grod's like i want to control five no seven worlds right mm-hmm. and uh, she goes no no I've, I've, got, I've got something even better for you and it's the same thing she says to brainiac got something even better for you you're gonna love this you're gonna be my chair yeah. uh <laughs> which was just awesome um, and of course, you see the horror on all the remaining legionnaires' face. And again, that's where they really broke the the characters because yeah. that is not Sinestro's response. I mean, no. I'm like, I don't know who the, who this pink bastard is, but he is not Sinestro. Yeah, he he turned into a, a little bitch. He did, he did, and I mean that that was where it kind of broke for me. And I mean, I think you could have done the same thing. Without turning all three of those characters, Cheetah, Grodd, and Sinestro, into just whiny, whiny bitches. Well, and the funny thing is, the only problem, and, and it, it's it's funny because we're, we're saying the issues are that Scott Snyder gets too wordy. If you remove the dialogue boxes from that page, it's no problem. Like, we're, we're good. I disagree. I, I the, you think the so? image the image at the top of the page after the the big reveal of the of the Brainiac chair, uh, it, the the way Sinestro is draw, drawn is is comically fearful. Yeah, yeah. I, see I mean that, that that clearly that was a direct note from Scott Snyder is that you know Sinestro should look like he's shitting himself because I mean of those three he looks the most scared. Well, because he's and a bitch. again again. Sinestro has the ability to instill great fear. Fair. Sinestro is not a fearful man. And that, that I mean, all you had to do was show Sinestro attacking and just being completely uh, overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the power of Perpetua. You didn't have to add any more panels. But, you know, all, all you see him is he is taking no direct action against her. He is... And you've got one, two, three panels, right? First panel is him going, holy shit. Second panel is him getting, you know, wrapped up in one of her chair's tentacles. And the third panel is him begging for help. That is not Sinestro. Yeah. And again, I'm making this complaint, but I am enjoying this series. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because now that we're talking about the story, other than the multiverse aspects, it's kind of the same story that they did in Justice League Unlimited, 
Uh-huh. With with Lex Luthor, you know, trying to get the power of um, Darkseid. Yeah. And then becoming that Apex Lex character, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's it's just because, you know, that, that had the Legion of Doom, and then, the, you know, they were overpowered into subservience. Like, it's literally like the same story in, in retrospect, but... Um, we we have spent a tremendous amount of time on this one book, uh, and before we jump out, because I know yeah. we need to. Yeah. What is that car? That, the flash uh, car. Yeah. What is? I've never seen this thing before. I, they had it earlier in the book, and Wayne would have to tell us if it's in the um, if it's been in the flash books because I think he's still reading those. But hell no, I dropped them. You remember that one issue that we all were on a little while yeah, back? That the year one was really horrible. Yeah, I stopped then because it was so bad, and I never came back to the book. Yeah, they had this flash car, I don't know, a couple of storylines ago. So it's been in the Justice League book before. I love that car. I want a toy, right? It's yeah, same awesome. here. Yeah, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and then one one final point is that I really love the use of Commandy in this book. I didn't think oh, I would. Yeah, I love him. But I, I am enjoying this interpretation of Commandy more than I enjoyed the actual Commandy's in the book? I, like, significantly. I yeah. kind of want to buy the book now, just knowing he's in it. Hey, and Wayne, I, Catman's in the book, too. I don't know if it was this issue, but he's <laughs> in the storyline. I saw him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, over. oh, and I mean, uh, let's talk about my, my my favorite character in the book. I mean, as much as I love Commandy, and you know I love me some Catman. Favorite character in the book, bar none, Jaro. Jaro, yeah. Love Jaro. Fucking Jaro's love Jaro. Yeah. I want a Jaro plushie. Same here. Yeah, so I want to wear it on my face. <laughs> <laughs> on my face. <laughs> so you know, we've been talking a lot about this book, and we're going to talk about a related book this week. Um, Batman Superman number four came out. We did not talk about number oh, three. It it did not come out. I never saw that on the comic book stand. Oh well, that's because it says Year of the Villain issue four, the Batman who laughs, and a very very size ten lettering right under the DC logo. It says Batman Superman. Uh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, you know, I only I only bought this book because uh, I saw it on uh, Paul's pull list. Yep, same. And and, and you know, I, I only I bought usually... it because I saw it on his list, and the Comicsology yeah. list actually had the name of it. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I cannot get. I do not understand what DC marketing is doing here. Yeah, you know, I get that they were doing something different with the trade dress this month. You know, for uh-huh. for most of the books, and for the most part, they're pretty obvious. You know, it's still what book it is, but this just says the Batman who laughs. Yeah. You know, like if you're not reading the Batman who laughs, you would think this is, or if you're not reading, or if you're just glancing, I should say, at yeah. comicsology, it would just look like, oh, it's a Batman who laughs one shot tied to the year of the villain. Yeah. But it's not. It's issue, it's issue four of Batman Superman. And so this is the reveal of the secret six that they've been setting up, you know, the the infected from the Joker. Um, it also has a tie in to what's going on in the Justice League book, which is actually one of the issues I had with the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait. Was that this issue or was that the previous issue? Because I got caught Pre- up on... Oh, that was previous, previous I believe. Okay, yeah. So I guess it didn't really derail it that much. It was just a reference. Um, but, you know, we, we have the, the reveal of who the six infected are in this book that they've been setting up. Um, I think it, issue two was the last time we talked about it, and... Uh, oh, Aaron, you and I are the only ones reading this book. I thought Wayne was reading Batman Superman. No, I bought it, but I bought it so late I didn't get a chance to read it yeah. because the cover didn't tell me it was Batman <laughs> Superman. Yeah. So, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm, I actually am enjoying the series. I think the art is 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 beautiful, especially the um, drawings of Supergirl in this issue. 
I feel like this book really blew away the previous issues, to be perfectly honest. I, I feel like this issue was the strongest of the four so far. It uh, feels very strong. directional, right? Like, it feels like the story actually progressed forward. Well, and I felt like the art served the story really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, well, the figure work is great, but I don't care for the backgrounds. Or the backgrounds are great, but I don't care for the technology, you know. And, I mean, I felt like all of it was working, and it, you know, it felt like it was an appropriate amount of dialogue. And I will say it's rather, you know, text-heavy in this book, but it felt yeah. appropriate to the story. Um, I've not been reading The Batman Who Laughs main story because uh-huh. um, I, I really can't stand that character, but I'm enjoying the series. And, you know, we spend a lot of time in this issue in the Fortress of Solitude, the the Fortress of Solitude South, because this is the one over in the Bermuda Triangle, um, mm-hmm. you know, his his backup fortress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, 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 I rather enjoy it. Um, the to your point, the artwork on on Supergirl is fantastic. I like the interpretation of uh, Blue Beetle. Um, I, th- I even Jim Gordon is is drawn, you know, uh, very um, in a very emotive style. Uh, I, I think it's a really strong book. I think it's yeah. a really strong book. One thing that that interested me about this book, and we don't, there's not too much more to say about it, is they make reference to Hawkman being from Earth three. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I started reading that Robert Venditti, Brian Hitch, uh, Hawkman book, and the first couple of issues were great. I'm wondering, you know, it, it seems like something was revealed in that book about this Hawkman being from Earth 3 and not from Earth 0, which is where, yeah. you know, we, the majority of DC takes place. So I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know what that means or – but, you know, from an overall DC standpoint, well, it, it's interesting seeing how much, even though we didn't care for the storyline – that DC's metal has basically informed this last year or to, or since basically it published the DC universe. Kind of like when Jeff Johns wrote blackest night and brightest day and, you know, infinite crisis, all those books were informed yeah. by that big crossover. We're yeah. kind of in the DC metal age of this. And I know they're building up to another book. Um, I don't know if it's going to be metal two or dark crisis or whatever the hell they're going to call it. But, you know, I know they're saying that Scott Steiner and Jacob, Greg Capullo have, their big epic um, coming out next year, uh, and that's what they're kind of building towards. And uh, you know, we got the end of Doomsday Clock. Like, there's a lot going on in the DC universe. Lots, lots, and lots of a big epicness. And on the other side of the house, in in the House of Ideas, owned by the House of Mouse. Like I said, we have four books this week, and they're all crossover books. <laughs> Which I, I I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like, oh. Like they didn't want to just publish one crossover at a time. You just wanted to publish three crossover books in one week and a tie-in. Um, you know, at least one of them is concluding, which is the end of Absolute Carnage. And and this is where where Tim, we're gonna tag you in because you've been very quiet. But I know, but I know you've been looking forward to Absolute Carnage. I'm glad you're back in time to talk about the conclusion. Yep, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I heard your call. When I, uh, when I when the when the red ring pulsed again, I'm like, oh, Paul needs me to protect him from from bad choices. <laughs> but I gotta say, uh, as you know, I love this book, and I feel like I, I don't know if I said this originally. Like this is like if you got Alan Moore in the 1970s, right off his running from Swamp Thing, to draw like Venom Carnage. That's sort of what this book feels like to me, and it's so good. It's so creepy, weird, uh, zombie vibe. Um, 
So, like, the, the I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but the scene where Nell is freed from his prison, and yeah. you get all these floating venom skulls, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I love this spread so much. Um, See, and I got to say, that was one of my issues with the book. And don't get me oh, wrong, no. I, liked, I liked Absolute Carnage overall, but I was kind of pissed that just as is the case with all Marvel crossovers, the the resolution is set up for the next crossover. Yeah, I'm completely with you, Paul. I It had a problem with the sticking the landing for me because of that. But thankfully, that wasn't the last page because the last page of the book as a wrap-up to this series really brought me back. Yeah, I didn't get a whole lot out of that, but I'm not reading Spider-Man. Uh, I will say... I, I love I love how Carnage uh, set Venom up for failure. And I, I love how Venom finally just said, well, I F it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's why I like the thing where it's like, oh, he did the thing. Oh, well, he'll try to, it'll, it'll be some kind of weasel where he, he doesn't really lose. Oh, no, he lost. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim, when I say the last page, I mean Eddie Brock sitting down next to his son. Yeah, I got the, out of that. Yeah, not the nothing to do with Spider Man, but they just that last line of "Did you say I was your son?" I that I love that as the end of the book. So I don't know where the two kids were sitting, but they were sitting in some kind of armory, and they they very prominently show Chekhov's gun, and I was waiting for Norman Osborn's kid to grab that gun and shoot Carnage. I was just, I, I didn't think it would do anything, but they 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 prominently featured it in a couple different shots i'm like yes get them no didn't happen no never happened (laughs) well so one of the things i really enjoyed in the book besides the book itself was uh right after the story they had a uh it starts with daily bugle maximum carnage like the even the artwork from the 90s story and it's an actual full editorial from jameson I yeah. read the whole thing, and I just enjoyed the hell out of it. It was J. Jonah Jameson telling the story of Maximum Carnage and how he was the real hero, not Spider-Man and Venom. And it just screamed 90s J. Jonah Jameson. Well, that's I, one thing I actually liked about the the beginning of the book. They have um, – the first couple of pages are Mark Bagley redrawing essentially the, uh, the meeting – between Carnage and, or between Cletus Cassidy and Eddie Brock. Cause I'm like, this isn't Ryan Stegman. And so I went back to the, uh, the credits page and it says, you know, Mark Bagley uh, and John Dell are the artists on that. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's cool. Did, did you get a vibe like, like, uh, uh Cletus was kind of sweet on Eddie. Cause I read that yeah. and I'm like, okay. And then there's the part where he's like, we could rule the universe together or whatever. I'm like, Oh, I yeah. never, I never got that vibe. Like I always got the whole daddy son vibe, but no, that was, that was an interesting take. Yeah, yeah. no, I think it's the, you know, it's kind of like the Joker thing that you know they do sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. is he sweet on him? Like the, this weird flirtatious aspect to it. But no, I, I, I did enjoy Absolute Carnage. I will say, like I said, my main disappointment was that it was just set up for I don't know what the next one's going to be, Total Carnage or whatever the hell. Um, but you know, I, 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 I thought the art was beautiful. And it's funny because even though it's a it was a big book, you know, big crossover into multiple books, and I only read the one crossover in Amazing Spider-Man. Essentially, if you think back on it, four of the five issues all pretty much just took place in one one spot. 
right? It all took place at that um, penitentiary. And it, it's funny that there's this basically big crossover book that's crossed over into like eight different, you know, books or spinoffs or, or tie-ins or whatever. And really, the majority of the story just takes place in one one location. You know, I, I am fine. I, one thing I, I will say, I agree that uh, the finish was a setup, which I don't necessarily – I'm kind of with you. I, I would like the finish to actually be the end of the story, but – it's been a while since I've read a Marvel crossover, so maybe I'm a little bit numb to that for this one. But the other thing I'm glad of is that every time they show Car- well, the way Carnage looks now, it's like he's got such a glaring weak spot. I'm like, can you just hit him there? Right yeah. there. <laughs> I, I appreciate they did that, too, because yeah. in the Thank art, God. it seemed really obvious. Thank God. You can't tell me Wolverine couldn't have taken care of that? No? No? Okay. Well, good. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> You know, the other – I'm going to move away from the book for a sec unless you guys have something else. No. But uh, the other thing I liked was the uh, the uh, the ad for Thor 1 from Do- from Donny Cates, the Thor with the two the two crows on his shoulder. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so looking forward – you know, now that the Jason Aaron run is, is wrapping up on Thor, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. Yeah. So I would say I would say Absolute Carnage was was a good successor to the 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 Maximum Carnage series. Yeah, agreed. Well, the next big crossover from Marvel is one that I'm sure Aaron was looking forward to: the new Annihilation book, Annihilation Scourge, number one. Yeah, which is you know a, a, a you know successor to the previous Annihilation series that really. Uh, relaunched Guardians of the Galaxy for the current era and made the uh, uh, first Guardians of the Galaxy movie possible. You know, introducing the reintroducing the characters of, of Star Lord and Rocket Raccoon, Drax, Gamora, uh, and, and bringing them into you know what, what we know of them today. Um, interesting is that uh, while Annihilation Scourge is a six-issue series, starting with Annihilation Scourge Alpha Number One. Uh, with four tie-in issues, uh, a Fantastic Four issue, a Nova issue, a Silver Surfer issue, and a Beta Ray Bill issue, finalizing or concluding in Annihilation Scourge Omega. Um, no, no involvement of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I found, I find interesting. Uh, and maybe that just allows them to not have to worry about the Guardians continuity, but hey, when has Marvel ever been worried about continuity? Um, I had big hopes for this book, and while it was, it did not uh, knock my socks off as I had hoped, I still rather enjoyed it, and I'm really excited for the for the uh, remaining issues of this book. Uh, this, you know, the 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 previous like the first Annihilation book was uh, the uh, Annihilation Wave coming to uh, you know the six one six. With Annihilus leading his negative zone army, you know, across the portal into uh, the Marvel universe, um, and the second one I want to say was uh, the uh, the Cancerverse, right? Or was that no, the no, third no. one? That's the third one. That's this one. Is the Cancerverse? No, the Cancerverse the can- with the Revengers was wasn't that an Annihilation? But that book? wasn't one. That wasn't an Annihilation book. Uh, it was a Guardians book. Uh, and so this is the big Cancerverse rematch. Uh, because the Cancerverse is storming the negative zone, and from the negative zone is launching into the 616, 
And, you know, we, we had the Revengers, right? You know, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Thor, all of these Cancerverse superheroes who, in the Cancerverse, no longer have the ability to die, right? So, you know, in the Cancerverse, things just grow and morph and live forever and, and just consume and overwhelm. Well, they're bringing the big guns for this war. They're bringing the Cancerverse Sentry. And, uh, wow... I'm really looking forward to this series because I loved the Cancerverse. It's very Cthulhu-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, yeah. When they started talking about the mini angled one, I'm like, oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm super excited. Now, I, hey, Aaron, complaints. can I ask a super quick question before you have a complaint? Yeah. Do you think that was the Cancerverse Sentry, or do you think it was just the Sentry? Because he's been dead since um, what's its nuts, right? The uh, I. Be- I- I believe it's the Cancerverse Sentry. Okay. I didn't know if it was the Cancerverse, because I, I saw it, I'm like, has the Sentry been gone since, um, you know, that, that one crossover? I don't remember the name of Siege. And I think he has. No, they brought him back to life after that. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Aaron. Com- uh, complaints. No, you're good. Uh, my, really, my big complaint is that I feel like they were trying to accomplish a whole lot in this one issue. And to do that, they had to shorthand a lot of the conflict between Annihilus and Blastar. And, you know, both of these characters are characters who hate each other. And they, they really pay very little attention to the animus that exists between both of them. And, uh, I, I felt like the, the book is, uh, is reduced in, in its quality because of that. But other than that, I enjoyed this book a great deal. You know, I didn't read all of the Annihilation books before. I oh, I love those books, and I, I do love Marvel's. <laughs> uh, you know, I know and that's why I know that I, I wanted your opinion on this. I enjoyed the book. I do think it felt very rushed. Uh-huh. Not not in the art or the story. So not 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 in a quality standpoint, but in a damn, this probably could have been a double sized book, right? Like yeah. to get the story to give the story enough time to breathe because it just moves at such this lightning fast pace, and and every scene is like you know. Uh, you know, in what is it? Uh, infiltration day plus one, and then all of a sudden it's infiltration day plus nine. I'm like, wait, 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 or incursion day. Yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. What happened? Like in those nine yeah. days, like it seems like a lot has happened. And like right. now, okay, let me get caught up. Um, but I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed, and one of the things that I do enjoy about this is that unlike previous Annihilation books, and I'm going to say the same thing about twenty the 2099 Alpha book that we're about to talk about. It's 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 six issues. Right. Like it's not it's not right. leading to Nova one through four and Fantastic Four one through four and Beta Ray one through four and Silver Surfer one through four. It's it's just four one shots. And then we get the yep. uh, the Omega book. That's that's good. That's six issues that I could I could yep. follow that and be happy. And which will most likely come out on time. Yeah, because they're different artists yeah. and different writers. Uh huh. I, I really I really dug it. And I'm so excited to see Richard Ryder Nova uh, looking forward to seeing Beta Ray Bill. And I just, you know, so often the artists fuck up Beta Ray Bill. So I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that uh, they're going to they're going to you know dazzle me with a, with a great Beta Ray Bill book. Uh, I'm excited, Paul. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the story. And uh, I will say one another story that quite impressed me this week was the start of 2099 in 2099 alpha and fantastic Four 2099. Um, you know, fa- uh, the, the 2099 alpha is by, um, Nick Spencer and Victor Bogdanovic. And then we have the, the first tie in book. Cause this is basically the same structure as the annihilation books is that it's, it's a one shot. And then a series of one, you know, it's an alpha, a series of one shots. And other than there's a, 
a couple of issues of Spider-Man and then a concluding chapter. So what did, what did you think of uh, the 2099 books? Uh, I, I will briefly say that for me, this was an awesome week in comic books. Yeah. And without a doubt, uh, you know, 2099 is a big nostalgia thing for me. I, I loved the original 2099 series. I was a big fan of the Doctor Doom 2099 book and the Spider-Man 2099 book back in the day. Um, I was thrilled to read uh, 2099 number one alpha this week. Um, and it really winds up serving up a slice of each of the books that are coming, right? Yeah. It'll give you kind of a, kind of a, 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 uh, setting the table, if you will, in terms of what you're going to get in this new or latest chapter in the 2099 story. And I, I, I really dug it. I dug it hard. Um, one of the things that surprised me was that it, it is a, it's weird because it's a reboot of the 2099. Stuff, right? Like, it's not yeah. like they're taking off of the previous 2099, which I thought they would be because of the Spider-Man stuff that's been going on. But no, this is – it's not the same Fantastic Four. It's not the same Punisher. It's not the same, you know, Doom. Uh, you know, they, they are kind of redoing the the, the story of 2099. Yeah. Well, and uh, I guess as an homage to Stan, there's no Ravage this time. <laughs> at well, least, they mention him. Yeah. He's on the cover. <laughs> yeah. At least the uh... – the Punisher is the same character name. Yeah. So it's it's going to be Jake Gallows, which I love the Punisher 2099 series. Uh, but the Fantastic Four one surprised me that it was not like the original Fantastic Four 2099 were characters that believed themselves to be the original Fantastic Four. Whether they actually were or not was part of the mystery of the book. Was and that was revealed, right. answered. Yeah. And that was not the case with this one. So that kind of surprised me. Uh, I liked how this, like you guys were saying, I liked how there were bits and pieces of each of the books as set up. Uh, we see Thor's hammer, and immediately I'm thinking they're going to bring in you know, a new Thor for it. But no, it's just the, the Thor cult that exists in 2099. Uh, like you, Paul, I was surprised because they've, they've done so much with 2099 Spider-Man. Yeah. That I thought this was going to be more tie-in with that. And I know he's been in the last couple issues of Spider-Man, but I'm behind a few issues. And I don't know if that's the version or if this is the version in it. Because doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's Spider-Man yet here. Yeah, it definitely I'm seems like so, a reboot. I'm not so sure that it's a reboot, but not a later story in which Doom has, you know... Uh, won his, his his final battles over everybody, and this just is a is is a part of that 2099 future that we haven't seen yet. But because uh, uh, I, I I'm not sure that it's explicit. Yeah, it's. Uh, go ahead. There was something that was said in here that made me think that Doom had rewritten the world. Yeah, it's it's in his conversation uh, it was, with the Watcher. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what I'm saying is, I don't I'm not, I don't know that that this isn't. Still the same setting. It's just a change setting changed by a character in it versus editorial fiat. True. And we may um, see that, right? As a result, you know, right. throughout the storyline, we may see that the the original 2099 folds back in. Um, it felt, and first of all, the art on the captured watcher. Oh, my God. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and two, it felt very Secret Wars-y to me. Yeah. Because that's essentially what happened in Secret Wars. Doom rewrote history. And you know that that kind of feels like what we're we're dealing with now as well. Yeah, from a new character standpoint, I loved Venture. 
I really like the character. I like, you know, basically how they had her written. Yeah, well, I hope you didn't get too attached. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Are we going to spoil the end of Fantastic I don't, Four? No, let's not. Because that's a, that's a pretty huge. But yep. I think what we should say is that you don't have to have read 2099 Alpha uh, to read Fantastic Four 2099. But if you read no other book this week, you should read Fantastic Four 2099. It has the best end yes. of of as any a, book I've read. As a spoiler for the next funnies we do, this yeah. was my holy shit moment of the year. I Absolutely. literally said I mean, holy shit, and then I went on to Instagram to tell you guys holy shit. Yeah, no, I mean, I read it right. I, this was uh, 2099 Alpha was the first book I read this week, and uh, Fantastic Four 2099 was the book I read right after it. And I got to tell you, uh, I, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. Um, and it's the kind of thing that I'm looking for in comics. I'm looking for comics to surprise me, to entertain me. Uh, and I, I was. I mean, I was surprised. I was entertained. Uh, I, it was completely, completely outside of my expectations. Yep, same here. It, I said it is my holy shit moment of the of the year, and I enjoyed the book beginning to end. I like yeah. the I like Fantastic Four a lot more than I like the Alpha. I enjoyed well, I'm, both I'm su- books, but Fantastic Four yeah. really got me. Yeah. I'm super excited about these 2099 books, particularly excited about Conan the Barbarian 2099. Well, that that looks like a lot of fun. Well, actually, that leads us into what comes out next week, Aaron. Hey, Paul. Yes. What's coming out next week? Well, Conan 2099 comes out next week, as well as Punisher 2099. So we get two more um, tie-in books to the 2099. Uh, Also continuing what we were talking about, Venom issue 20. It's the final. It's kind of like the absolute carnage uh, epilogue book. Comes out next week. Tim, I don't know if you're in on it, but if you are, let me know, because I'll pick it up just kind of to see how the story fully wraps up. It is also written by Donnie Cates. Uh, From DC Comics, if if you missed the boat on Deceased, the uh, trade paperback, or I guess hardcover, comes out just in time for the holidays. Uh, Also from DC Comics, Basketful of Heads issue two from Joe Hill and the Hill House imprint comes out. And finally, for us who are looking very forward to the new Star Trek Picard TV series coming to CBS All Access, there is Star Trek Picard Countdown, issue one from IDW coming out next week. Very exciting. Yes. Well, hey, uh, we want to know what what you thought of this week's books and tell us about your turkey dinner. Uh, Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise, which could be some Thanksgiving leftovers. Probably will be. Uh, you can also hit us up on social media, <laughs> IOM Geek on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and at Ideology Madness on Twitter. Well, happy Thanksgiving, guys. I am thankful for almost all of you. <laughs> <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.
have Disney Plus. 